it's been a little while. I haven't, it's been a while since I've spoken, and we've had several new folks come in. So there are people that I don't, I'm not exactly sure if you've been here before. So I often make this disclaimer when I preach. If this is your first time with True North Church, um, I am not the senior pastor. Uh, Rex Stump is our senior pastor, and he is, he's a great dude. Um, very, very good. He does a great job preaching. And so what I always say is if you, if you don't like what you hear or the way that you hear it this morning, um, come back in two weeks because actually I'm here again next week. So next week won't do you any good. If you, if you come back next week, you'll still be stuck with the same knucklehead. So wait two weeks and uh, give Rex a chance. Um, before you just cash out on our church, okay? That's, I, I feel like it's fair that I let you know going in, um, you're, you're not stuck with me every week. Um, so, uh, oh, I have another thing I want to tell you before we get started today. Th- this last week I was at the academy, I was teaching at the academy, and our cadets have to, have, they get three weeks of nothing but the Ohio Revised Code. Now, I don't know how much time you've spent reading the Ohio Revised Code, but it's all laws, and it's extremely boring. So um, when I was in front of them this week, there was like this glazed over, I don't want any ORC ever again. So if you could not have that glazed over look this morning, it, it would help me because I'm, my, my confidence is a little bit worn out. No, I'm just, so if you could just, you know, like just a smile every once in a while, that's fine with me, all right? How many of you are losers? I'll raise my hand. I don't mean loser versus winner, silly. I mean lose stuff. How many of you lose stuff? So you got to have a little fun in life. That's what I say. Um, I'm very good. I have, some, I have some distinct gifts in life. One of them is losing stuff. Um, if I had a nickel for every minute that I've spent looking through my house before work for either my keys, my cell phone, my wallet, or my ID card to get actually in the building. Actually, the first day I was, I was in my current job, the first day I forgot my ID card, I couldn't even get in my office. So I had to wait for somebody else to get there, and I, I get there much earlier than everybody else. So I, whew, that was a good time. Good to, but I digress. So, but losing stuff, I, I'm very good at that. And, and there's nothing more stressful than running late for work and going to the hook where I'm supposed to put my keys for my car that I drive to work and looking at that hook and those keys not being there. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not, but <clears throat> there are few things this, there are few things any more frustrating to me. But I know it about myself. I know what some of you are saying is, well, Brian, you should have a special place to put it and put it there every time. Oh, thanks, genius. <laughs> you think I don't know that? It's the putting them there that's my struggle, right? I know where they're supposed to be, and I know where I'm supposed to put them when I get home. The problem is I don't always put them there. And so then I'm forced to look. Anyone ever been in a hurry to try and get to work and try and find your keys and you can't find them? Man, that's frustrating, right? You tear, the, you tear the, the house apart trying to find those things, right? And I, I, I share it now with my children because my, my parents were, uh, were kind enough when I would be looking for stuff. And, and when I would tell them, I'm, I'm, have you seen this? Their response to me would always be, well, where did you have it last? 
well, if I knew where I had it last, I probably could go to that place and I probably could find it. So I do the same thing to my kids because that's what you do, right? You pass on that wisdom to your children. And someday, hopefully, my children will pass that on to my grandchildren and treat them this uh, Hopefully, they'll have the same fun with them. It's, it's enjoyable to have fun with your children. But, but losing things is really frustrating. And, and when they're lost and you, and you want to find them, oftentimes we're frantic in our searching for those things, right? We, you, you're throwing everything around, you, and oftentimes you make a bigger mess, which makes it more difficult to find them in, in, in the process, right? So I, I want us to talk, this week and next week, we're going to talk about some things. That, and Jesus said basically three things were why he came to the earth. He's, Jesus is a pretty important person in, in, our, in, in the world, and he, he gave three reasons why he left where he was up there in the expanse before creation and then creation. He left heaven and came to earth. There's three reasons he gives us for that. One is to seek and to save that which is lost. One is to, to actually do the saving process. So seeking and saving are actually two. And the third one is to serve. So the next couple weeks we're going to talk about, that, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Rex just finished a series on our beliefs and, and some apologetics. And, and why do we believe what we believe in? He has taken us through some very difficult topics. Um, and I think he's done a fantastic job of helping us understand those things. But, if, but, but once we understand those, what are they really for? What are we as Christians, what are, what are we really supposed to be doing? And Jesus said, I came for, I came for these reasons. I came to seek and to save that which is lost, and I came to serve, not to be served. So today, we're going to talk about finding things. All right? I want you to try something. I'm going to put a picture up here in a minute. And, and it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. Once the picture is up there, I'm going to ask you a question. This is what I want. This is my challenge to you. When I ask the question, I want you not to look at, I want you to not look at somebody around you because you're going to feel very tempted to look in someone's direction. So I want to see, this is really just about my entertainment. I come and bring you some things, some things I like to do to be entertained. I tell the class when I teach that. It's sometimes making fun of you is just about me, me being entertained. Sorry, Jesus, I probably shouldn't say that. So, I'm going to put the picture up here, then I'm going to ask you a question. Okay? Ready? Let's try this. Okay. Ready? I don't want you to look at anybody. I want you to just nod your head. Okay? How many of you have someone in your household that would be unable to find that apple? (laughs) Why is that so funny? Because you know it's true, right? You, you, you could send somebody, it could be right there. It's right there. And they don't see it, right? Uh, no, nope, nope. Mom, we don't have any apples. Sorry. Going back to parents versus children, my, my, I've shared, I share some other things with my children. And one of them in this scenario is if I have to get up, to go to the refrigerator and show you where that apple is. There's probably going to be consequences, right? I mean, it's right there. I don't think that sometimes we as Christians understand what it means to seek and to look for lost people and to look for lost things. 
See, in Jesus' teaching to us about why he's here, he says, I came to seek, and the, the, reason, the reasons I'm here, is, one of the big reasons I'm here is to seek and to save that one. I'm here to find what was lost. And then in Luke chapter 15, you, anyone heard of Luke chapter 15 before? All right. Probably all of you have heard at least one story of Luke 15 because Luke 15 is where the, the story of the prodigal son is. I would venture to say if you spent more than a year in a church somewhere, you've probably heard something about a prodigal or the prodigal son. <clears throat> so Luke 15 is about lost things. But there's three stories in Luke 15 all about lost things. And I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of an inquisitive kind of feller. And so I was studying for this, and I was like, well, why does Jesus have three different stories about lost things? I mean, the, the, no one would disagree. No one would say that the story of the prodigal son is not compelling, right? If you read the story of the prodigal son, that's a compelling story. Right? What more do we need? Why do we need three different stories about lost things? And, and it hit me, and I, I'm not saying this is exactly what God's, the reason that he did this, but, but I feel it probably could be true. There's three different types of lost things, and there's three different types of lost people. In the first story, in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, we see, that law, we, we see the story of lost sheep. And this is what I want you to know about lost sheep. Lost sheep don't usually know that they're lost. Anyone know anything about sheep? <coughs> Work with them, raise them, eat them, anything. So sheep are dumb. Most people will tell you that sheep are not the most intelligent animal out there. They're known, they're known to follow so closely that if they're on their way, if the shepherd is leading them from one place to another, and one of them, they're in this nice pretty line, if one of them decides to go a different way, every sheep behind them will follow that sheep right, right off a cliff. They go they're off a cliff, they go, they'll all go off the cliff together. No one stops to think, hey, the group with the guy that's leading is going that way. Why are we going this way? Nobody stops to say, sheep don't think that. They just go, okay, okay, okay. And they just follow. They just go. And and so lost sheep often don't know that they're lost. And I want us to look, we'll look quick, we'll look at this story in beginning in verse 15. In in the beginning of this, Dr. Luke does this. I love Dr. Luke because he he thinks sometimes I think like I do. Maybe not. But... He points out, he takes a minute to point this out to us. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners, those bad people, you know, I'm a Christian, I can't really spend time around you. Those people, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Even eating with them, how dare he eat with those sinful people. But that's a whole other sermon. Let's not get stuck there. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. This is a great story. How does the sheep get lost? Hmm, I don't know. Sheep get lost. For some reason, this sheep left. There's a group. All the sheep hanging out, playing some euchre, shooting some hoops, drinking some Cokes. And one says, ooh, 
I wonder what's over there. Doo, doo, doo. And just leaves the group. Just walks over there. There's nothing that says that the sheep even knows he's lost, is there? So the sheep's just hanging out. I, what, what, what took him over there? I don't know. But my guess is he's probably enjoying himself, right? Ooh, look at these pretty new trees. I haven't seen these trees before. Uh, oh, now there's a rock I haven't seen. Let's go hang out with this rock. Meanwhile, back with the group, the shepherd looks and says, Where'd Billy go? Huh. Hmm. Huh. And the Bible tells us what he does when he sees Billy's gone. He leaves the 99 to go find one. One out of a hundred. One penny out of a dollar. One dollar out of a hundred dollars. One. There's a hundred. There's 99 left. Let's go find the one. What does he do with the 99? Hey, you're in charge right now. I know that's, I know that's scary, but you're in charge right now. You keep everybody kind of corralled. I got to go find this other one. And so he goes to look for the other one. Where, where's the other one? I don't know. He's lost, right? So he has to go looking for him. And when he gets there, he doesn't, the, the Bible doesn't tell us that the sheep goes, oh man, am I glad you're here, shepherd, because I was scared here. The shepherd sees the lost sheep and finds him. And what does the Bible tell us? See, see these are the things that sometimes we miss. Don't miss this kind of stuff. The Bible tells us that he was so joyful, he picked the sheep up and put him on his shoulders and went back joyfully to the 99, right? So, let's see this happen. 99, we got 100, Billy walks off. Ooh, pretty. He's lost, hanging out. Oh, this is cool. Man, nice. Okay. And then the shepherd comes back, and he's all excited because he knows the shepherd, but he's like, oh, okay. And, and the shepherd picks him up. What doesn't the shepherd do? He doesn't yell at him, does he? You stupid sheep! How dare you run away? Do you know there's 99 of your brothers and sisters left over there and they have to just spend their time alone because I had to come looking for you. The shepherd is so excited that he's found the sheep, he picks him up. Woohoo! Oh, hey, dude, what did you see? Did you see anything fun? Was it enjoyable? Did you... Well, oh, it's good to have you back. Yeah, hey, 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 neighbors, hey, friends, hey, hey, everybody, guess what? This dude left, but I got him back now. I got my sheep back. All of us are together again, 100, 100, we're, we're counting 100 now. Whew, man, I can't tell you how excited I am to have found this one sheep. You had 99 left. Why did you need one? <laughs> because one matters, right? But it's the seeking that I want to talk to you about today. It's the fact that the shepherd left the 99 to go look for the one, and the one did nothing to be lost other than walk away. And he didn't even know he was lost. Why does that matter for us? 
Why, why would I talk to you about that in the church setting? There's people all around you that don't know they're lost. They think they're okay. Their bills are paid. They get to go out to eat every once in a while. People think they're nice folks. They have lots of friends. They have nice, they have okay cars. But they don't have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, you're lost, right? Was it the danger of the sheep being away from the 99 that bothered the shepherd? Or was it the fact that the sheep wasn't there? The shepherd sees there's a sheep missing and he goes to find him. Let me ask you this question. You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, we don't want to do that. It's in your head, in your heart. Do you know anybody that's lost and doesn't know it? Sure you do. So what's our responsibility with those people that are lost but don't know it, right? Because that's different than what we're going to talk about in a little bit. When people are lost and don't know it, how do you convince them that they're lost? How did he convince him, this sheep, how was the sheep convinced that he was in the wrong place and he was lost? He was brought to where the rest of the sheep were, right? You see that? You see, that's why churches are involved in small groups. And that's why we have Bible studies. And that's why we have Tupas and GPS for young people. And that's why we have women's Bible studies. And that's why we have picnic in the park. And that's why we have outdoor worship services. All of these things so that there are, there are places and events and opportunities that we can bring people to just to experience part of Jesus. Because inviting somebody to church, that's, well, that, how, how many people know people don't want to go to church? Y'all can raise your hand, it's fine. We all know people don't want to go to church, right? But some of those people will be, will be more comfortable coming to a home Bible study. Yes? Or a small group where we're playing cards and having some dinner. It's our responsibility to get them connected. The, the responsibility of the church and we as Christians is to go get those people and bring them to where they can experience Jesus. They don't know they're lost. We have to help them experience what it means to be found. Right? There's a second story, and the second story is about a coin. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Lost coins don't lose themselves. Who's responsible for the coin being lost? <laughs> Nobody wants to say it. Everybody knows it. Nobody wants to say it. Who's responsible for my wallet being lost when I can't find my wallet or my keys in the morning or my ID card or my phone? <laughs> I got to own that, right? That coin that is in that lady's change purse 
isn't sitting on the side of the couch one day and say, oh, that couch cushion looks like it'd be a comfortable place to hang out. I'm going to jump out of the purse and into the couch cushion, right? It doesn't have that ability. The woman at some point lost that coin. She had possession of it. She had it in her hand. She had it in her change purse. At some point, she did something with it that caused it to be gone. Do you agree with that? Hopefully nobody wants to debate metaphysics and can tell me that the coin actually can jump out of the coin purse because I, then I lose. I ain't that smart. We as the church are responsible for some people that are lost. Mm, that's close to meddling. How are we as the church responsible for some people that are lost? Have young people ever been victimized by the church? Yeah, this means yes, this means no. At least let me know your life. Have young people ever been victimized by the church in the name of Jesus? Yeah. Have, have fantastic older folks ended up losing their entire life savings by being hoodwinked by someone in the name of Jesus? If you'll send me this money, God will really love you then. Has the, has the, we're going to spend more time next week talking about this topic. Not a long time. But has the church been seen in the community as a place to receive love? Or has it been seen as a place to receive judgment? That's corporately, right? That, that's, that's the big picture church. How about True North? Has anyone ever seen True North not act like Jesus? Do people ever come into True North and not rise to the standard of some of us talking to them or involving them or including them? Do we ever see people that don't quite match what we think people should be and so we don't really go out of our way to connect with them? Does that ever happen in youth groups? Do people ever walk in our doors and walk out without ever being noticed? Don't raise your hand. Don't nod. Just think. That's our church locally, right? I got to do it because God makes me. Aren't sometimes individuals responsible? And aren't sometimes we responsible individually for pushing people away from Jesus? Have we ever treated people in a way that is not the way Jesus wants them to be treated? Have we ever used guilt to try and direct someone's behavior? Have we ever tried to make sure someone understands how short their short how long their shortcomings are you see remember the sheep the sheep just he didn't know he's lost the coin is lost because the woman lost it 
there are, there are people in our area. There are people in your life that don't have a relationship with Jesus and you may be responsible for that. Or our church may be responsible for that. Or the church collectively, corporately, worldwide could be responsible for that. See, we talked about the sheep. When, when you find a sheep, the sheep doesn't know he's lost. When you find a sheep, you just bring the sheep to the, you just bring them to the flock. You, just, you get them involved, right? So when we find people that are lost but don't really know they're lost, the way to seek them and the way to help find them is to bring them into the fold, to bring them back. But if, there's a, if, if they're a lost coin and we've pushed them away, the, the church has pushed them away, or the church has hurt them, or the church has shown them something that's not of Jesus, and they, they've, de- they've decided to check out because of that, then we have a different responsibility. In those situations, it's not enough to just invite them back to church. In those situations, it might require humbly apologizing and begging for forgiveness. And saying, man, this is pretty hard for me to say. I'm not real good at apologizing, but you started coming to our church and I was a little uncomfortable because you you don't really dress like me. Um, You you don't really have the same, uh, you're not really like me. And so I kind of let you be. Right, when we seek people, when we understand what, what Jesus means when he says people matter. We're not okay with that. When we see people that come into our church and they decide not to come back because of something that we've done to them, we must, we must go find them and be willing to say to them, what happened was not of God. Don't be angry with God over that. Be angry with me. Be angry with the group. Be angry with the congregation. Be, be angry with whatever you want to be angry with. But don't, don't blame God because that wasn't God. That, that, was, that was me. That was us. See, that's hard. Mm, that's not very kind. Y'all, y'all are a little uncomfortable right now. I'm getting some looks now that are a little, little different than before, right? The coin didn't do anything to lose itself. There are people out there that are lost because they've been pushed away by the church. Mm. Mm. Let's go get them, right? Seek. Seek and save. Go find. Look. That lady, once she realized that coin was gone, she's tearing everything up in the house. She pulled every couch cushion out. She turned over the beds. She pulled out the mattresses. Ripped down all the clothes out of the closet until she could find it. Right? Maybe God's got somebody in your heart that that you might have to have a conversation with. Mm. You might want to pray yourself up before that conversation. You might want to let some people know, get some encouragement and some support because it's going to be hard and it's going to hurt. But seek them. Find them. Bring those lost people back to Jesus. So that, those are the first two. Lost sheep really don't know they're lost. Lost coins don't do anything to lose themselves. The last one is the story of the prodigal son. And that's a long story. Um, in, in, 
I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to kind of give you the, the, the Brian Notes version. Um, but, but in that, we see that lost sons, daughters, children, sometimes don't want to be found. The story of the prodigal son goes like this. This young man has a father who's extremely rich, very, very, very wealthy, lots of Lots of cars, lots of houses, lots of all kinds, lots of crops, lots of animals, lots of kids, all this kind of stuff. Got, got, all, got everything, every, everything you could want. And so this kid one day goes to dad and he says, hey, hey, dad, um, I'd kind of like it if you'd die so that I can have your inheritance. Um, but if you're not going to die, I'd appreciate it if you just give it to me anyway, all right? Because when you're dead, I'm going to get it anyway. I really, you know... I, you're not really all that cool, Dad, the way you dress, uh, the music you listen to, oh, no. Uh, so I, I'd really just appreciate, I'd, I'd appreciate a whole new life without just, so you just give me what I would get when you're dead and, and let me go. And, and so, see, this is, where, this is where you can see the Bible is different than, than, than me. I'll just say me, okay? None, none of the rest of y'all have to be involved in this. But I can tell you, if my kid came to me and said, hey, Dad, I want your inheritance before you're dead, kind of, kind of like saying I'd wish you'd die, okay, you, I, okay. No, you're not getting it. You go do your thing, but you're not getting it. The, the will is going to be changed. I can tell you what's changing in it, right? The father gives it to him. He says, okay, here you go. Writes a check. You're all set. And so the kid goes out. What does he do? He goes out, he parties, he finds some women, he finds some, finds some booze, finds some drugs, finds some parties, has some fun. Woo, yeah, woo, look at this, woo. Raining money, throwing money all over the place. And at some point, he runs out. I know this is hard to believe, but if you're only spending money and you're not making any money, at some point it's going to go dry. It does. He runs out of money. At the same time that there's a famine in the land. So now, not only does he not have any money and not only does he have a job, now he can't get a job because there's a drought and there's a famine and nobody's working because there's nothing to work. So, so he says, oh, I better find me a job. So he finds a job. This farmer gives him a job. He says, I'll tell you what, you want to feed the pigs, you go ahead and feed the pigs. Anybody in here ever fed pigs before? If you haven't, what they, feed those, they, what they feed those animals ain't all that pretty, all right? Never in my life, I've had family members that raise pigs, never in my life have I looked at what the pigs were eating and said, ooh, if I had to give me some of that, I'd be all set. But that's where he finds himself. He's so hungry that as he takes the slap to the pigs, he looks and goes, man, that would fill a cavity right there. I mean, I'd be all set. But he can't even do that because he'd be stealing from the pigs. And while he's there, he says, I should have had a V8. My dad is so well off that, if, that he's got servants that are living better than I'm living. Why don't I just go back to him and I'll just be a servant? I know, I know I don't deserve to be a son. I'll just go back. And I'll just be a servant. And as he goes back, the Bible is specific to tell us as he was a long way off. I don't know how long a long way off was back then, but it was a long way and he wasn't in a car. So he was able to see him and the father goes running to him. And as he goes running to him, he throws his arms around him. He says, hey, we've been fattening that cat up, calf up for a long time. Let's kill that thing. Let's have this huge celebration. Here's a robe. Here's a ring. Here's all kinds of stuff. I'm so glad you're back. I've, I've been missing you. Man, man, it's so good to see you put your arms around. They walk back, they have this big party. 
And so I said, no, 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 Dad, you don't get it. You don't understand. I don't want any of that. I don't, I don't need any of that. I just, I just need a job, Dad. If you'll just make me your servant, I'm okay with that. Oh, no, 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 no. No son of mine is going to be a servant. You're, you were lost. You're found. You, you were dead, but you're, but you're alive. Don't talk that nonsense. Here's the question. What if the dad would have interrupted the son at some point earlier in the story? What if he would have shown up as the money was about to end and said, hey, son, money's about to be gone. You might want to make plans for the future. Would the son have felt the same way as he does now? I don't think so. What if he found him halfway through the famine and said, okay, okay, you've learned your lesson. Come home. Let's, well, let, let's, let's, let's get you back on track. We'll put you on a budget. We'll, put, we'll, we'll, give, you some, we'll give you some jobs. We'll get you involved. We'll help you move along. We'll, we'll get you back on track. Would the son have felt the same way as he did when he came back? This is why it's important to us. This is why it matters, right? Because that's really all that matters is what it matters for. Some people that are lost just want to be lost. There's nothing we can do to change their mind. There's nothing you can say to them that will all of a sudden get them to say, oh, I should come back. Because there are some people who have been so wounded by the church. There are some people who are so angry with God. There are some people who just want to do it their own way and they don't want to admit they need help from anyone. There are, there are some people that are so bent on doing it themselves that it doesn't matter what we say and it doesn't matter what God does at this moment, they're not ready to change. If you've ever been a parent and watched a child stray from the faith, you'll know the pain that this father felt. It's a special kind of pain. It, it's, it's one you can't describe. It, it's, one you can't, it's one you can't share, really. Some of you, even if they're not your children, though, you know those people that are just, you, you love them. You care about them, but they're so bent on not giving in to God. It doesn't matter what you do. Right? It doesn't matter what you say. What's our responsibility in that situation? In those situations, all you can do is love them and pray for them. If that father would have shown up and written another check, the kid would have just kept partying. Right? Yes? No. Yes? Probably just kept partying. Because he went until it was empty. If he catches him in the middle of a famine before he has to slap pigs, he may have still felt like he was owed something. You see, there's something about coming humbly before the Lord Jesus Christ that makes it actually stick. There's something about humbly trusting the Lord to work. And being vigilant in our prayers for that soul 
to come back. That creates humility in us, doesn't it? I'm a fixer. I like to fix stuff. Not with my hands usually. <laughs> Not all that good with stuff in my hands. But I like to help people see where they're making errors in their life that would make their life better, right? There are some people that they, they just don't want to hear it. What happens is the problem is we give up. We stop seeking. We stop looking. We look and we find them and we say, yes, they're lost. They don't want to be found. I quit. And we leave. And we ignore. And we forget. One of the most beautiful phrases in the story of the prodigal son is that the father saw him a long way off. While he's a long way down the road. You know what that tells me? It tells me that that dad spent a lot of time looking down the road. That tells me that that dad spent a lot of time praying, begging, hoping, pleading, believing that his son would come back. Why does it matter? As we close today, I, I, I want you to understand something. As I grow older and my hair turns grayer, the fact that I'm going to run out of time to give Jesus to people bothers me more. As I wrestle with my own humanity in, in the end of my own humanity, the more I wrestle with those around me that are, could potentially die without Jesus. That's just me. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know your heart. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I do know this, though. I know that we serve a risen Savior that gave up glory, that gave up heaven, that gave up a life with nothing but goodness to save my sorry little soul. And if he loved me that much, if he, if he cared that much about me, that he would leave heaven come and looking for me. Because that's what he came for, right? I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I, and, and I was lost. I've been lost. Even since I've found Jesus, even, even since I've went through Bible college, even, even since I've said I'll never stray again, there have been times in my life when I've been lost. And, and I've had loving people come alongside me and put their arm on around me and say, you know what, Brian, I love you. <laughs> Brian, I'm praying for you. And if, if I can be there for you, I'll, I'll be there for you. 
as the worship team comes, I want you to think about this. <laughs> what would churches look like if Christians actually cared about lost people the way that Jesus does? If the way that Jesus passionately wanted everybody to find, be found if we as a church, just, just our church, let's, let's not talk about anybody else. Let's, let's just talk about our church. If our church could experience the desire in everybody's heart to love lost people like Jesus loved them, what would our church look like? It would be full, right? Are there lost people in Wasion? Are there lost people in Delta? Are there lost people in Pettisville? Are there lost people in Archbold? Are there people that don't know Jesus for one reason or another? Or are there people that have strayed away from Jesus for one reason or another? Yeah, yes. Well, what if we went after them like Jesus came after us? Does that make a difference? Let's pray. Man, God, thanks for loving us so much. Thanks for, hey, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for loving me enough that you came looking. <laughs> that you were knocking down whatever you could knock down to get to me, to, to show me how much you love me. I, I, I don't deserve it. I probably shouldn't have it. But it's your gift because you love me. God, fill us. Fill us with that kind of love for the lost people around us. Fill us with that kind of passion that we'll tear up the world to do what needs to be done to bring those people home. Because they're yours, Lord. And you love them. And thank you. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray.